Hello, I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaris. And welcome to Go, Go Touch, Touch Grass, the podcast where we log in so you can log out. All right, guys, listen, this is a very exciting episode because this is the last episode before our full launch on all the apps. Yeah, we're launching on all the apps. It's a big, big launch. And I feel like we can say here, in this five ten dollar Patreon the five, room, ten dollar patrons deserve. Yeah, you guys deserve to hear it first. That through the unnamed network that we've been hinting at is Headgum. We're going to Headgum. We're so excited. They're so great. They're yeah, so amazing. We're gonna start recording in the Headgum Studios. Um, for our regular apps, but then our bonus apps will come out. Yeah, our bonus episodes and our search histories and our mini trending topics and all of that stuff are still going to live here on the Patreon. You guys are still going to get to vote on those and yes. all of that stuff. You guys have already voted. On Gorilla Glue Girl, which I'm excited to be covering Gorilla Glue Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, that that poll went, I, I I didn't think it was going to go to Gorilla Glue Girl. I thought for sure Bean Dad. Bean Dad. Yeah, it looked like it was Bean Dad for a while, but Gorilla Glue Girl has spoken. Exactly, so. but very, very exciting. Millie and I had a photo shoot this weekend. Yes, and you'll um, be seeing a vlog of that soon as soon as TikTok will smile upon thee and uh, help like, let me fucking upload this audio that I want to upload. You know what? Influencers are out here working because it takes it's a long really time hard. to edit videos. I've been editing the clips of this podcast that go up on social. It takes a really long time. Headgum's going to start doing that. I think yeah. that rocks. And we're just really excited to have something that we have creative control over. Where we feel uh, like it's fully our product. Yeah. And we've, we're just so excited for you guys to hear the full launch version. I'm I'm excited, show. and the theme song is great. Yeah. Oh, the there's photos gonna be a theme are gonna song. look so good. The photos are amazing, guys. Really, really exciting things. And you're in on the ground floor yes. here on our Patreon. And yes. just because we're doing the full launch does not mean you're not gonna still be getting exclusive. No, content you're getting here. exclusive content. We have to invite you guys to our. Uh, Launch party too. Yes, yeah. Invites for that. Yes, if you on December fourteenth in Bushwick. If you are a patron at the ten dollar level, you will get an. You're gonna get an invitation to our launch party right here in New York City. Yes, it's very very exciting. But let's let's kick off today's episode because Mm -hmm. you know we talked Thanksgiving last episode. Tis the season. I wanted to start us off. I really think it would only be right for us to share with our wonderful listeners. Our Spotify wrapped for 2023. I I have mine pulled up. Here's the thing is, I don't usually share my Spotify wrapped because... It's embarrassing? Not even... (laughs) There are some embarrassing elements. You like to read? It is embarrassing. There there are some embarrassing elements, but it's not so embarrassing that it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just like, you're very basic. So, my top artists are... Taylor Swift, Olivia Rodrigo, Stephen Sondheim, (laughs) which is just very funny because it's like, you know, it goes through and it'll play like, like your number one artist is Taylor Swift, plays a little Taylor Swift, then it plays Olivia Rodrigo, and then it's just, um, into the worst pies in London. (laughs) Oh, Oh, it's from Sweeney Todd. Oh, 
Number five, it says, that one, and, I, and I can't believe this no, is the embarrassing. This is the embarrassing. You element. haven't gotten to it yet. No, it's Megan Trainer. Oh my god! Because she got me with that fucking that auto-engineered song that I made you look. I went with my Gucci. Yeah, um, but Gucci, this um. year. Yeah. <laughs> she got that me with that. That song came out seven years ago, at least. No, this was it was a trend this year oh. on TikTok. And that's how it I got me. I thought it was I am your mother. I, I think that came out. I don't know what oh, order. Okay, okay. Ma- I'm mother thinking, is. I'm thinking um I am your mother. Yeah, no, no, Listen no. I'm me. thinking all about that base, but all about that base came out. No, that's eight years a very ago, long time ago. But made you look. This one was the one that she like made I to be a t- Yeah, um, she oh made it to God. be a TikTok stand. And she got me with it, and she got me with it, and I listened to it, and apparently I listened to it. How many minutes it. have you listened? Because mine is going to be, I would say my most thing, just say your minute. Mine is 3,276 minutes, because my thing is, I also don't listen, I listen more to podcasts and audiobooks when I'm out and about and walking. My like I can't do work with music on or anything like that, so I always feel like my stats are very. Uh, and you use different. Apple Podcasts for or Spotify? No, for- I do use Spotify, but the thing is, I just I usually am listening to music if I'm on my way to something and I want to create some kind of a good or interesting mood for myself, and so a lot of times I listen to like super poppy confident Mm -hmm. type Mm -hmm. music Mm -hmm. and for that reason my rap is always like confident Demi Lovato uh (laughs) zero to hero the Hercules soundtrack like it's (laughs) like it's normal oh man well at least my Spotify could not be more different. Yeah, I'm. Well, the thing is, Millie is actually cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but I do. But then there are some embarrassing elements to it. I'm not gonna say it's not embarrassing. So my top genres are alternative R and B, pop, indie pop, indie electronica, and escape room, which I don't even know what that is. Escape room. Um. This became, I don't know what that is. This became a whole meme of Berkeley, USA versus yes. Burlington. And basically, like, um, they divided a lot of the t- Twitter girlies. Like, either if you're like an alt pop girly, you're either going to move to Berkeley or you're going to move to um, Cambridge. Wasn't that the other one? K- uh, Burlington or Cambridge, but those are like. A little bit less, you know, Cambridge was a little bit more basic. Um, I'm probably my, in Cambridge. My yeah. top song was Happy Ending by Kalila. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it's Got to Go My Own Way by Caroline Rose. Uh, then this is, this is, uh, there's this band called The Fourth Wanderers. And I started freelancing with this company called Unfold Agency. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the agency. And every time I heard, that song, like, I I would read the, I thought about this song called Unfold, so I would just play it a lot, uh, but the song is sick, uh, you know, then it's Contact by Kalila, then it's Thick by Remy Wolf, again, all female vocalists, I love a good female vocalist, um, but this is where it gets embarrassing, so, again, 
very cool, eclectic, yeah. alternative. To even have something in your Spotify rap where you're like, oh, so actually there's this band that did, like, that's <laughs> fucking cool. I'm like, Megan Trainer is on mine. Okay, okay, but this is where it gets embarrassing at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. Minutes listened. 96,472 wow. minutes. But you listen to music to vibe, so it makes I listen sense. to music to vibe. I listen to podcasts to go to sleep. When I do my dishes or do laundry, I'm listening to podcasts. I cannot be alone with my own thoughts even for one second. And no. now, guess what? Spotify is trying to diversify their offerings because music is on a downhill. It's like on a downhill slope of profitability right now. This is like insider baseball. So what are they doing? Now it's now they're trying to do podcasts, mm-hmm. video podcasts, um, and now audiobooks. So I'm um nine chapters in, ten chapters into the 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 book Yellow Face. Ooh. Yeah. Uh have you heard of it? Um, yes, it's been on my list for a while. I was just thinking I've been doing audiobooks, but I'm on Audible and I listen to all the Hunger Games audiobooks and now I'm doing Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but it's like because the thing with me with actual books is, like, I'll get interested in this and that, and then I'll just stop, and then I'll go on my phone, and then whatever. But in audiobook, I'm like, oh, I'm washing dishes. I'm cleaning the house. I'm t- taking the dog out for a walk. So, yeah. So, so the, the 96, somebody's like, how the fuck did you get there? And um, I just got to say, I, I, I always am playing something. So I'm... I'm really sucking the juice out of Spotify Premium. And I have a Spotify Premium family plan. <laughs> and you know there are seven people in my family on mm-hmm. it. To the point where my mom got mad that she didn't hop on soon enough and all this shit. So <laughs> uh, I'm in the top 1%, the 0.1% listeners of Kalila. And um, yeah, they have it by saying Pink Panthers. I love Pink Panthers. Pink Panthers is how I found out that there's a new musical opening in Brooklyn. <laughs> See, yours is actually cool. Again, mine is literally like <laughs> the worst pies in London. <laughs> Did you get any like artists reaching out? I like no. Okay, so I guess maybe the smaller artists do that, but like to their top fans, like they're like I think Spotify's like, hey, make a little story for your top fans. And Kalila, who's, like, she's big enough that she has, like, a huge following, but she's not big enough. Like, she has the time to do this. And her name is Kalila, and she called her fans Kalalians, or Kalila Kalalians, anyway. Those are her fans. So let's just think about what we call our fans one day. Yeah. Yeah, the Go Touch Grass fans. Because I do feel like, you know, I want it to be good. I feel like some people phone it in. I recently found out that Sabrina Carpenter calls her fans the Carpenters. No, 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 no. And (laughs) I just think... Well, Beyonce's Beehive, famously. Yeah, but Beehive is good. Beehive is good, but then, you know, it's lazy. Future fans are Future Hive, which is like... Yeah, no, that's that's not not good. Beehive, I feel like Beehive is the pinnacle of what to call a fandom. Swifties isn't particularly good, but the but it's impact. Not bad. It's no, not it's bad. not bad, and the impact is very, what Rodrigo, very high. What are what are the Olivia Rodrigo? You know what? I don't know if Olivia Rodrigo names her fans anything. I know Harry Styles. They're just the Harrys, and I'm like, that's not good. Olivia. Okay, let's let's Google right now. Olivia Rodrigo fan names. <laughs> I just also have to say that my niece. My 17-year-old niece, um, she, she... They're called the Livies. That Sorry. Makes, that's, that makes that's sense. Livies is 
good. That's cute. That's Livy's, cute. I don't mind. My 17-year-old niece, I get a GoFundMe, right, on mm-hmm. my family group chat. And then I see that it's my 17-year-old niece. It's on the spectrum. Um, but she's like, hey, guys, watched a movie. I rewatched School of Rock, and I saw someone that looked really cool with a bass guitar. And now I want to do that. So can you, here's, uh, I'm raising $500 to do it, to get a guitar. You know what? God bless that. <laughs> God bless that. I am so happy to hear that School of Rock is still having that exact impact. Well, I'm like, there's $100, $70 guitars, Brianna. You do not, what the fuck is the $500 for? No, because. She's I, like, my mom can afford to get, and I'm like, okay, maybe not, but also. Yeah, I would have. Here's what I'll say too, because I was also impacted in that way by School of Rock and made my parents get me a bass guitar. And my dad very rightfully was like, "We're getting you the cheapest possible bass guitar until you show that you are actually like interested in doing this." Because I wanted him to. There was like there used to be this website that was like bases, like electric bases and I mean I'm sure it still exists in some form but it was electric bases and guitars for girls and they were like shaped like flowers and stuff yeah, and they were yeah, obviously yeah, like a thousand dollars and I was cute. like I have to have this one and my dad was like we're no. literally we're going here's a seventy dollar one yeah we're going to uh guitar center we are buying like the beginner bass kit yeah and if you show an aptitude for this we will get you a better bass guitar and guess what i didn't didn't show the aptitude (laughs) you go off go off mr morales my dad said no No. um you've quit every single thing we've ever have you had you try except for theater so we're getting you the cheap bass (laughs) yeah i took guitar i had a guitar i took guitar i took guitar class in school and um Oh, God. So much so much trauma related to guitar class. But it is... I'm just happy to hear that, like, to this day, School of Rock is making young girls go, I should play the I fucking should play the bass. bass. And do a GoFundMe for yeah, $500. Yeah, I should get my family to buy me a freaking bass. bass. All right. Let's get into the Discord. Let's get into the Discord. Because I grazed a little, but I didn't really... Even though I kind of know what this is about. So I'm excited for us to get into this topic because this is a big discourse that comes up on my fyp all the time it pops in and out i have a feeling that we're going to discuss this topic over the course of the podcast many times yes but today we're discussing it in the context of the dear and darling family vlogger drama okay so we're getting into family vlogging already deep dark discourse yes darkness So, background. Dear and Darling is a TikTok account that is run by this couple, Lily and Paul Davis, and it mostly features Disney-related content, specifically around the concept of Disney bounding. Now, Millie, do you know what Disney bounding is? I think I did look it up, and it's when... Because if you're... If you go dressed as a Disney character... You can get kicked out of a park. Yes. So this is like the limits of, right? Yes. Like you, you, you really, you got it. So basically, Disney, if you as an adult go to a Disney park and you are dressed in like an authentic costume as a character, like you're really trying to look like a character, they will kick your ass out of the park because... It confuses. 
It can confuse little kids. Little kid, a little kid could come up to you and be like, Belle, and then you blow like weed smoke in her face and tell her to like fuck off or whatever. Yeah. And then suddenly they're not in control. And Disney, like, because again, I'm on Disney adult TikTok in general. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm like, this is what this is my FYP versus your FYP. No, I get some of it because I, I was fascinated by the six thousand dollar a night Star Wars hotel. Yes. So I was watching, but then when I start getting served like. Minnie Mouse ear like ads. I'm like, I need to What talk. I like is specifically people who worked at Disney yeah, talking about the behind the scenes stuff. And the that's thing cool. is, cool. if you, Disney has very intense rules for how the princesses, especially if you're a face character, which means like one of the princesses, princes, etc. If you're one of those people, there are very specific rules for how you are to engage with anyone. Like, I remember seeing one video that said, you're not supposed to engage in a negative conversation of any kind. So let's say you are Cinderella, mm -hmm. and a little girl comes up to you, and she's like, the stepsisters are so mean to you. You're supposed to be like, well, I live in the castle now and change the topic. Like, you're not supposed to engage in anything that That's could be right. considered negativity of any kind. <laughs> so <laughs> they do not want rogue people dressed as Belle no. talking to these children. And I do get it. Yeah. I, I do get it. So Disney bounding. People are crazy. People are also crazy. Someone who's coming up independently at an adult person who's independently showing up in an authentic Belle costume to Disneyland, that's not someone you want interacting no, no, <laughs> no, no. with the company at all. So, Disney bounding is this basically way of dressing up like the characters, like in an homage to the characters and kind of going up to the line of being dressed like them, but not so much so that you'll get kicked out of the park because a child would actually think you're dressing up like them. So people get creative with it. They're like, I'm Disney bounding as Jane from Tarzan. And they have Ridiculous. on like a cute little khaki dress and a hat or whatever. I'm Disney bounding as, you know, Ariel. And they're just wearing like green and like purple or they're wearing like her blue dress. They, they, they do things to suggest the character without crossing the line into being dressed as that character because you will be asked to leave. So that's the main kind of topic of this page. Uh, now, I did look at their profile, and I will say that the adults' faces are the most prominently displayed. Okay. It's really mostly the mom, but you do see the kids, and they do have eight kids. That's ridiculous. Um. It's it's actually kind of weird. When I was watching videos, it was, like, unclear if they have eight, seven, or six kids. But in the most recent video that I watched, they were, like, packing for our family of eight, and they packed eight child-sized costumes. So I, I think they have eight kids. This family of eight can mean six kids and two adults, but if they're packing eight... They were packing a family eight of ten. costumes. I think maybe some of them are, like, adults, so they're not involved necessarily in what's going on. Ugh. It's a little unclear, but they have between six and eight children. That's ridiculous. And as someone who grew up as one of six kids, I recently watched a super nanny where somebody, you know, the, the, the older kids start raising the younger kids and get robbed of the childhood and all that shit. Uh, it's not great. Here's a question for you. 
as someone who's from a large family, if your mom had said, we're all dressing up like various Disney characters, I have your costumes, you have to wear them, would all of the Tamara's children have participated? No. No, absolutely not. I don't think so. I feel like, no. (laughs) Like, I just feel like the effort, absolutely not. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to wrangle the fucking all the. Because I was and there's looking... a big age gaps. Like my oldest brother is like thirteen years older, fourteen years older than me, and my youngest brother is two years younger than me. So there's like a gap about fifteen years. Yeah, I think that it's like the middle to younger ones are actually participating in. Yeah, this. of course. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that whatever. So okay, I've been to Disney a bunch of times because I, you know, it's only three hours away from Miami. Listen, I love a Disney park. I fuck up a Disney park. Mm-hmm. I love to go. Maybe I would even Disney bound to a Disney park if you got me in the right mood. Wow. I'm so, I, this I, is the, your Spotify rap. And my Spotify rap has Megan Trainer on it and Steven Sondheim, and I'm dressing up as Tinkerbell, and I'm going to Disney. <laughs> yeah, that's the big reveal for Patreon listeners is that I'm a fucking loser. <laughs> well, I didn't say it, so... <laughs> I'm like the biggest dork in the world. (laughs) Okay. So the drama started when another TikToker named Casey Davis, no relation, but there are Davises on either side of this drama. This person posts as at domestic blisters and they, (laughs) and they talk a lot about the ethics of family vloggers. So I guess that makes sense. Like a domestic blister. Like you think you have domestic bliss, but actually you're, fucking exploiting your kids Blister, for clicks. yeah. Got it. So anyway, they post a lot about family vloggers, child influencers, that kind of thing. They have 1.6 million followers. Because so it's this fucking is a big fascinating. Account. Because it is. now those kids have are now growing up and they're saying shit. Like the John and Clay plus eight kids and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, there is, and like that's going to be kind of part of our discussion for today. Like there's a lot to be said about the ethics around family vlogging and this person has 1.6 million followers talking about it so please give us some so and and please uh domestic blisters if you hear about this do give us a shout out invite to the open invite for domestic blisters to come and talk about this honestly very interesting topic (laughs) (laughs) i actually would love to hear what you have to say um okay so basically they post about dear and darling and this video has been the original video has been taken down But according to summaries of the original video that I watched, they did not actually specifically name Dear and Darling. Mm -hmm. Um, But they did, and they didn't, like, show their handle, but they did show a screenshot from one of their videos. Mm -hmm. And the big thing that they took issue with is this video in which Lily and her husband show a spreadsheet that Mm -hmm. they have made for their latest Disney trip, which has over 40 videos listed for them to film with their children while they are at Disney. So supposedly this is supposed to be a fun trip, but then they're making 40 videos, which again, as Millie and I have said, having to make w- literally one, one video, video piece and edit it. for our Go Touch Grass pages, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. 40? No, I'm thinking about when it, when I would do a shoot at Brian's house for Betches. 
Yeah. That we would shoot maybe four videos or five videos, and we're like adults. And by the third one, my eyes are glazing over. And you know that, like, these videos, you know, they're speeding them up. They're doing reveals. They're adding sounds. They're doing the captions. You got to do an over. Make yeah, sure it hits. Doing the voiceover, et cetera. They're getting, like, it, it, there's a lot going into these videos. It's not just them, like, walking around. So, anyway, um, basically, that is what starts off the drama. This person then posts about it. Dear and Darling starts, they start trending the idea, they start becoming the focal point of a conversation around family vloggers in general, which is a big topic that pops up and ignites all the time on TikTok. Yeah. Like, it can be ignited at any time. I've seen it a million times. So now, here is Dear and Darling's response. We just wanted to ignore this and hope that it would all blow over, but we have newspapers reaching out asking if we would like to make a comment on the articles they are writing on the matter. At this point, unfortunately, we feel the need to respond. A very large TikTok account has made an outrageous video that has reached millions of people accusing us of truly egregious and more importantly false claims, and as a result, we are being attacked from multiple angles. In the video, this creator encourages her viewers not to support family vlogging channels as they exploit their children. And then she used my face and my video as a perfect example of a family content creator who exploits her children and makes them perform. And she states that I'm going to require our six children to make 40 videos while on our Disney World vacation. She admits that she came to this conclusion after seeing my husband's brainstorming idea list in my video and assumes to understand it to mean that we will be forcing our children to film 40 videos on our week-long trip to Disney World. This could not be further from the truth. Anyone who follows our channel knows that we are not family vloggers and that the channel is not about our family. It's about me. My husband is supportive and participates frequently. And on occasion, our kids participate as well. But this is rare. Just to paint a picture of how rare, before this last family trip, out of the last 250 videos we've done, only 14 include our children, aside from our oldest, Maggie, who is an adult in college. And many of those were just slices of life where they were in the background. It's not uncommon to get comments on our feed from a follower stating that they are shocked to learn that we have children because they assumed we didn't based on our content. If you were to take our children out of our content altogether, our channel would be very much the same. Yeah, so, I mean, you're getting the gist of it, but yeah. basically, okay, and it does seem like, I mean, she's saying they have six. I think that that video I saw was including was their including clothes. Yeah. And then some people keep saying they have seven, and I'm like, but they don't have seven. Anyway, they have six kids. And... Basically, this goes on. She basically says, like, we're not a family vlogging channel. We're a Disney-bounding channel that sometimes our family is on. And we didn't get to this part in the video, but she, she says, and I only made this spreadsheet because I have ADHD. So okay. um, I did want to, like, show you their page for a second. So if you look at their page, like I said, so they have 174,000 followers, which is a lot less than that other person who has a million. And if you look at their page, like, she is, the mom definitely is the face of it. Mm -hmm. But, like, here's the kids. This one has the kids. This one has the kids. Like, the kids are. You think it's 14 out of 250, or you think she's lying? I don't know if she's Because I was convinced by her video. Like, that yeah. video's like, we don't include the kids, this and that. Like, yeah, they I... opt in, they opt out. So I'm like, okay. So I felt personally after watching their video that I do not necessarily think that Dear and Darling is the 
best example of an exploitative family vlogging channel mm -hmm. uh, that people usually talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that to truly be an exploitative family vlogging channel, the kids have to kind of be the stars yeah, of it. Yeah, there are much better examples. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, I don't want to be so easily swayed, but also, like, I feel like the response by someone who is exploiting their children would be different than what they're doing. Yeah, so then basically, I mean, Domestic Blisters takes down their original video. They respond, and they're kind of like, I think anybody who uses their kids for content is bad. I went on your page. I saw that, you know, you, you do post stuff about your kids. You've posted about your son's needing, like, a root canal. You've mm. posted, like, you have posted personal stuff about the kids in the past, and I think that anybody who does that is wrong. So that kind of brings me to the discussion. I mean, we already kind of got into it, but where do we come down on this fight specifically? I don't know if Dear and Darling is the poster child for family vlogging exploitation, mm -hmm. though I do feel like there's no way filming 40 videos on your trip is only going to take 15 to 20 minutes out of the trip. 40 divided by seven, that's like what, like six uh, videos? We're, we're not here to do yeah, math. I know, I know. We're but not like, here to do yeah, math. Yeah, like you're doing a few videos a day. Like I think, and even if it just, you know, even if it just like involves you, it's still taking time away. But yeah, I'm just more like, I do agree with the point that children should not be used for content. I do think that, but I just don't think that, again, this is the best example of that. This is, like, the most effective example. Um, but I do think, yeah, like, probably they do use their kids. Like, it's impossible not to. But, yeah, it's, like, for for uh, domestic blisters to be, like, well, I think any use of it gets, like, Okay, but if you're trying to get people on board to this idea that children should not be used in any content, wouldn't it behoove you to make your point with, like, the strongest example possible? And then, it's kind of, sorry, like, to do a parallel that's kind of disturbing and, like, trigger warning is, like, it just reminds me of, like, the Me Too and, like, conversations about sexual assault where you're talking about somebody like Louis C.K. who actually like put him, you know, put in situations that like he was exposing himself and all that stuff versus like Aziz Ansari who like coerced, you know, and was just like, please, let's do it on like pushing, 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 pushing until finally someone buckles. And it's like, those are all still important conversations we need to have. But you it, it gets tricky when you, or we're still learning how to talk about coercion and something like less violent. But when we're t putting that in the same category as a more egregious thing like Louis C.K., then people are like, well, it's not. So you're like, you know what I mean? People yeah. just dismiss it. There are people recently in the past couple of months, there was that Mormon lady who yeah. was exploiting her kids and horribly and abusing them. them and, and they ran away. Yeah. 
so it's like I feel like we are in tier one of this conversation about what the ethics of family vlogging is. So to bring in someone who's maybe like a tier three violator yeah. is maybe not the best way. I mean, I think that the thing that drew domestic blisters in was the spreadsheet. Yeah. Which I do get. The spreadsheet like, is sick. Yeah, like, being like, this is crazy. This is work. And I think that, you know, domestic blisters, like, that's the point they're trying to make is, like, you're forcing your kids to do work. So to have a visual of a spreadsheet like that does make their point. I just think the overall channel isn't necessarily that. Like, when I was looking through the channel... I do feel like what she said, which was like, you could take our kids off of this channel and the content would be fundamentally the same. I do think that's true because it is a lot, a lot of just the two of them dressing up like the Queen of Hearts and stuff. (laughs) Ridiculous. So that brings me to, and us to, what do you feel like, is the line for sharing your kids because I have been following this conversation for a long time and it's really made me as someone who does want to have kids and is you know public online I'm like how much of my kid would I share online yeah like because there are some people who are like you should never post a photo of your child online and yeah. you should never share a photo of your child online because they could be downloaded by sexual predators yeah. You know, I do understand people being like, I want my kid to have consent into how they're being used for content and photos and stuff. I think another thing is like, I don't know, man, like there's, you know, I I know this comedian who, you know, she has like a medium size, like a kind of smallish to medium size following, you know, like 10,000 followers or something. And she has a kid who's, like, five years old, and she refuses to show. Like, she always puts an emoji over her daughter's Mm -hmm. face. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, you can show your daughter's face. Like, I go back and forth. But then the other thing is, like, there are people who make their entire, like, page about, you know, not being a mother, but with kids. Like, this is what my kid's wearing. This is what my kid's doing. My kid's putting on this really cute outfit. Or my kid's cooking this, or my kid's cooking... And so it's like, that is disturbing, and that's like, that's a no, and then there's a no for, like, the... Girl, you can post a picture of your daughter. You at the park with your daughter. Like, no one's gonna fucking, for one picture... I get you don't want to do it all the time, but you're... Like, the thing is, like, you're posting these pictures. It, It just reminds me, too, I don't really see this so much. You know, for college, I had a lot of, um like uh i'm not co-workers like classmates mm-hmm. um and they're from japan and i don't, i think this was like more of a trend in japan but they'd go on like dates or vacations or trips with guys and they post these pictures of them with the guys but cover the guy's face with an emoji but like po- upload 50 pictures 100 pictures with the emojis on it and i'm like Girl, just don't post the yeah, picture. Yeah, just don't even upload. Just don't even. Just... If, if, if you need to put the emoji, it is kind of like, why are we uploading necessarily at all? Okay, so there's, there's one creator around this, and I should have written down her name, that she's like a Canadian gal who does a lot of content around, like, kid influencers and family vloggers. And, like, 
This person has found some pretty disturbing shit where it's like, it'll be a little girl who has like 100,000, 500,000 followers. And if she looks at the, her, the little girl's followers, it's like all men commenting yeah, like sick. beautiful. Yeah, there's some so there's some shit. really fucked up stuff going on. I've seen some stuff about how like kids these days are already being born with a digital footprint of like a thousand photos or whatever. Like I want to, when I'm a parent, be conscious of not having a massive amount of content out there about my child before they are born, like before, before they're born, before they're grown up that they don't have control over. But my thought is kind of like, if this is a photo that I would back in the day have included on a Christmas card or on a family update or would have had on display in my home if you came over, you know, in a frame. I think that's fair game to share on your Instagram or whatever. I think if your kid does something really funny and cute and you want to share a video, like, we, we used to have America's Funniest Home, home videos. videos. Like, it's not completely unprecedented for something funny or cute about your child to be shared widely. I think it's just think, yeah. a thinking about the total impact. And I do think that there is, like, people will sometimes share videos of their child having, like, a meltdown. And I'm like... That maybe they don't want this online. Yeah, it's it's all about context and stuff because sometimes it's like when they're two and their meltdown is like their mom's not letting them go outside in the middle of a blizzard. Like that's funny. Yeah. Or like a baby farting. Like like there yeah. are things that I see. There's this really um viral video right now that's like on Twitter where um this baby this family like gives this baby a jalapeno to taste. And its face is shocked, but like it likes it. It's like so. So it's like shit like that where it's like, oh, somebody can download. It's like or like, oh, you're not supposed to put any pictures of your kids. It's like that's a cute, funny moment. That's yeah. a family capture, and they're like, you know what? This is gonna be a little LOL thing or whatever, you know? Yeah. Versus and- like somebody who has a dedicated page to. They're about their kid that, like, all these randos can follow. Yeah, and she's wearing, like, little cheerleading costumes. Like, that's fucking weird. I think that, you know, being thoughtful about the moments that you share, like, if it is a child having a meltdown, it's like, what is the actual context of this? Is it really a funny meltdown that reasonably you think as an adult they would be like, that's really funny that I was having that meltdown? Or is this actually a private moment of your child freaking out? Some videos of kids that I fucking love are a mom seeing her makeup counter and the kid has clearly just like gone to town on all of her makeup and then it's all on her face and they're like, what did you do it? And the kid's like, no. I love videos like that. I think those are oh, so yeah, funny like and cute. Kids farting. I just remember there's this video. My parents like don't keep anything, but like there is a video of me having a meltdown because I wanted them to play my favorite movie, and I was like three or four years old, and I was like crying, and then they put it, and it's the live action Popeye movie. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, "This girl's weird." I just, yeah, I just think it's like this is a great soundtrack. There's a line to walk between. I'm occasionally sharing a photo or a video of my child and I am turning my child into a content 
farm to the point where there's going to be, by the time they're able to take over their social media, there are hundreds of photos and videos of them that they have no control over that are already up and being shared and have maybe gone viral. That is overwhelming for a kid. And that's not even talking about people who straight up turn their kids into influencers and force them to make content and shit, which now, like you said, we have people who did grow up doing that, who are becoming adults and saying, this fucked me up. Yeah. I do not like that there's all this content of me as a child. Or like when they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And their parents are like, well, I guess we have to move out of our house. Yeah. That's manipulative. And I think it's also this thing where it's like, you know, because my sister will post her kids all the time. My sister has 150 followers, 200 followers. It's all mostly like family and friends and old coworkers, and her shit's private. That's different. Yeah. By domestic blisters argument, you shouldn't post anything. And it's like, there are people on TikTok who, you know, just post things with their, their kids are doing. Kids want to be on TikTok doing dance challenges. They yeah. do. You know, it's so funny that my sister said, my niece used to be like a chicken nuggets and french fries only. That's all she used to eat. We couldn't go do shit with her because that's all she would eat. Now, she's like nine. Now she's like, I want to eat crab. I want to go this. And then she's like eating stuff and she's like, I rate that a nine out of ten. I rate that a ten out of ten. <laughs> like she's trying to be like a food because that's what she sees. So like. Some kids want to engage, but it's also about, like, the exposure to the audience. Like, you don't have a control. So it's like, that's why it's a tier three, because they do know that people will see their kids and all that stuff, but yeah. not the most egregious. I think that domestic blisters needs to take a chill pill. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, where this conversation should end is there needs to be the same way, like, back in the day, child labor laws came for kid actors. Yeah. Protections need to start being put in place for kid influencers. Like if your family is making its income off of videos starring you as a child, there should be some kind of similar thing where like, you know, yeah, if you're a child actor, your parent is required Mm -hmm. to put a portion of that money away for you. And like they're our protections on set. Kids have to have breaks. They have to have a teacher. They, they have, have to, to have this and that. Now. And I think that that's kind of where this needs to go as far as child influencers. But as a regular everyday person, am I going to be thoughtful about the stuff I share about my kid online? Yeah. But also, if someone is actually that like fucked up and yeah. deranged that they're going to download just like a random picture of a family so that they can look at the kid in the family, that's... There's only so much you can do. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. I mean, they could take a picture of your kid walking down the street. Yeah. Like, at, a, at that point, that person is very sick. Yeah. And I don't think that posting a picture of your kid being like, first day of school yeah. is inviting that attention to your no, child. People are fucking crazy. It's, it's the same neighborhood as, like, people who think everything is human trafficking. Yeah. When it's like, mm, human trafficking is actually, like, the specific thing, and it's like, no, uh, it's like, okay, relax. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had, but I don't think that Dear and Darling is at the forefront of that conversation. And I'm sorry that articles they that they, they were having yeah, the to newspaper say. that was my favorite thing. The newspaper, the newspaper. it's like mm. newspapers are reaching out to us. It's Listen, like, that happened to me when I posted about weddings that one time. I had an article, but someone no, it wasn't out to probably me. printed. No, it wasn't a newspaper. It was like a website called like 
panda says dot com or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was not Otter was Otter Lee used to work for the he's like it's like World Star but Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a website like that. Yeah, it's like Chinese World Star. All right, so that's the end of our discourse. But before we get into Grasshole, we gotta do a brief what, what the, the musk. And what the musk is our segment where we check in on what the fuck Elon Musk is up to yeah. because it's always something stupid. So this week, you've probably seen it. Elon Musk told his advertisers to go fuck themselves. Uh, to no applause. <laughs> to no applause. So basically, <laughs> Elon Musk, I mean, Elon Musk has been having quite a week for the past, like, 32 weeks, but he's had a really big couple of weeks. Basically, he res- he got called anti-Semitic uh, by the White House. Again. Oh, this time by the White House. Because <laughs> I feel like he's getting House. called what, anti-Semitic every day. Yeah, because he's anti-Semitic, so yeah. it's, you know. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. So, like, yeah, he's getting called anti-Semitic because he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, basically, he, like, responded to a tweet about uh, the great replacement theory, which is that white supremacist theory that Jewish people and leftists are trying to replace white people with ethnic minorities, it's what they were chanting about in Charlottesville, whatever. <laughs> this person, like, posted basically about the Great Replacement Theory, and he responded, like, interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Again, so fucking stupid. And also, he's changed the Twitter algorithm so that his tweets are seen by everyone. Yeah, because so, I've muted and, like, blocked or something, and it's still... No, you, you, you actually cannot mute and block him on x at this point he because that was like one of the first things i remember that happened when he took over is that like one of his tweets didn't get seen and he was like what the fuck and like yeah. made them change the algorithm so that you always see what he's saying so yeah so it's like yeah now everyone's seeing what you're what, what you're saying and you're saying anti-semitic shit interesting stuff <laughs> like are you serious it's like also, really cool interesting it's like this is literally an old conspiracy theory yeah, that you already you. know yeah so how could this even be interesting to you and you know what you know what i'm always gonna say you know what i'm always gonna bring up if these white people are so concerned that they're getting replaced why aren't they getting the vaccine <laughs> why are they eating horse paste i would feel like if there was a life-saving vaccination i would want to get it why aren't they putting in place laws and Things that make it easier for people to have families and shit. Like, the reason fucking, like, middle-class white people aren't having as many kids is because it's too much money. Money. It's too much money to have them. They, like, force people to have kids. Yeah, they're like, what could we do? And people are like, you could give us money like every other country does for new parents. You could do paid family leave. And they're like, what could, what is what, go, what could, could we, we possibly what about do? We, if we ban abortion and it's like and they're like no actually anybody. that's just making people more upset and, yeah. and they're like what could we possibly do it's like, and it's uh, like, just money literally just give people money yeah. literally just give them so money. what did elon musk do at least so okay he posts this stuff so then a bunch of advertisers advertisers have been leaving x for a while now yeah. because again hate speech is on the rise on the platform because you removed a bunch of protections for hate speech and newsflash advertisers don't want an ad for disney's wish to come up 
under stuff about the Great Replacement Yeah, theory. of course, of like, course. Like, they're not like, now starring Ariana DeBose, our first Afro-Latina queer princess. And then the next post is Great yeah, Replacement Theory. Yeah, people are going to die. Yeah, like, Jewish people are ruling the world. It's like, that's not what they're looking for. So advertisers are leaving the platform, one of which being Disney, another Warner Brothers, Comcast. They've all pulled their ads on the platform. It's also probably at this point not even a good return on investment. No, because nobody's on there. It's, well, so I'm, I'm on there because I'm obsessed. But. Well, and I am on there on the Go Touch Grass Twitter <laughs> now. <laughs> they rolled me back in. Um, though I have been getting more into Threads, and Threads is less spicy and always two days behind Twitter, but there's stuff going on there. Anywho, I will say that my husband, who works for a menswear company, got an email today. Around the holidays, the level of deranged emails that he gets, like, always spikes. But he got one immediately after this incident that we're about to talk to mm -hmm. happen. They run ads on Instagram. They got an email that was like, I will never buy from your company because you. I will only buy from companies that advertise on X. X is the only platform that cares about free speech. And they're oh just like, God. okay. But it's like... If you want free speech and you want, like, free market economy, because these people are all about business and all that stuff, and it's also just, like, it's not a good investment. Yeah, the thing like, is, free speech is also Disney pulling its ads from exactly. your platform because they have the free speech to stay where they put their fucking ads. So it's, like, it's, again, it's the thing of, like, free speech but also you can't ever get mad at me and nobody, there can't be a single consequence for it and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, Elon Musk last week, he was here in New York. I knew I could tell the vibes were bad in the city and it's because Elon Musk yeah. was here. Uh, and he got interviewed at this like, it's this Deal Brook Summit thing. And this is what he had to say to all of his advertisers. If, if somebody's gonna try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, yourself but go yourself is that clear it's just like so funny because he thought it was gonna be an applause line yeah but he kept like looking back and like are people laughing at are people laughing you are could tell because again he lives in this bubble of his own reply guys and he has created twitter to be a elon musk uh, like clapter chamber where everything that he says he gets a million replies from now verified like blue check accounts that paid for it that paid for it exactly so he gets a million verified replies that are like hats off to you Mr. Musk once again you have dunked upon them like it's just like well if anybody knows anything about comedy it's Elon it's Musk Elon Musk according of course, to Babylon we've B. talked about Babylon B. he also then uh, like after that, he, I guess Bob Iger was in the audience and he goes, hi, Bob, which, um, you Bob know, fuck Bob, Bob Iger. Like actually Bob Iger can go fuck himself, but it's just so. Bob uh, has a lot of problems. Bob has a lot of problems. Twitter and posting on Twitter is He probably not didn't even make that decision. He's yeah. probably so far removed from that decision. He's not involved in those decisions. No, but Elon Musk, Elon Musk is the type of person who's like, Bob Iger personally decided not to fuck with me because my speech is so free. It was yeah. too free for Disney. And it's like, yeah, dude, it's Disney. Yeah. It's Disney. They don't let the princesses have negative conversations. No. <laughs> like, you I cannot have a platform that has no fucking rules and expect Disney. 
Disney, the Walt Disney Company, to keep their ads up. You're out of your mind. Well, Bob Iger isn't a super micromanager like Elon Musk is. No. And he's like the head honcho, but he's not in charge of the day-to-day decisions like Elon Musk is because he probably, so he probably doesn't even know why Elon Musk is pissed. He's like, oh, did we pull our ads from uh, X? Is Twitter called X now? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I have no fucking clue He's what goes on. He's too busy, like, trying to defund. Put AI in yeah. movies yeah. and all that shit. Yeah. yeah. He, like, Bob Iger does not <laughs> give a fuck about Elon Musk at all. <laughs> well, we answered what the Musk and what the Musk indeed. <laughs> and what the Musk? We don't know. The, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Next. So. For our final segment, mm-hmm. we have Grasshole of the Week. Wow. And Grasshole of the Week is our segment every week where we find someone, a person online, they could be bad, they could be morally neutral, but they do need to, to log go off and, go touch, and go touch grass. And our Grasshole of the Week, I will say, um, maybe is... Both. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. So our grasshole of the week is Winnie Parker. Do you know anything about Winnie Parker? Not. Not a lick. I think this is the symptoms of different FYPs. <laughs> so Winnie Parker is a black creator. Mm-hmm. Um. As of today, she has thirty-three thousand followers on Instagram, one hundred and twenty-five thousand followers on TikTok, and twenty-seven thousand on YouTube. Okay. As of today. She's a plus-size fashion creator, but she's actually more like mid-size, if you ask me, but whatever. She talks about dating and being single, and she's based in Atlanta, and again, she's black, so she just talks about, like, the realities of being a black woman, you know, whatever. So, she posted a video, like, a branded content with Macy's five days ago that has 2,360 likes. And, we, and you know, the video is very short, so I'm just going to play it. It is never too early to start planning gifts for the holiday season. This is honestly why I love Market by Macy's because everything is curated and it makes holiday shopping easy. They have the best gift options and oh my God, I saw this really cute bag and I just love it because it's so tiny I had to try it on. There's so many different options, sunglasses, fragrances, jewelry, shoes. There's seriously something for everyone here. So if you have a big family like me, this is the place to go. Also, each store will host in-store events with local pop-up vendors for the holidays. There's something for everyone at Market by Macy's. Yeah, I mean, that's just pretty standard spawn. Yeah, spawn. And Market by Macy's, I imagine, is like a Nordstrom rack, but Macy's. Yeah, it seems that's exactly what it seems like. As far as the visuals of the video, it's literally her just, like, smiling, showing the racks. Yeah, I, 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 I gotta say, nothing, nothing problematic jumped out at me. Nothing problematic, nothing special. So as of today, the video has two thousand three hundred and sixty likes. Okay. Uh, but she was not happy about the response she got, mm. so she posted this video. Is it great replacement theory? <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say something controversial, and I don't care because I've been thinking about it a lot. It is better to have a following over a black following. Before I go any further, this does not mean that I do not appreciate the people that support me and love me, okay? That's not what this means. But it is very obvious that black people do not really support black creators. And we wonder why we don't get these huge creators the way 
that we get these huge creators. And then we complain about it. But we're not supporting each other. And the black creators that do have millions of followers, have a huge fan base, usually have a mixed following. For example, Jackie Aina. Believe it or not, Jackie Aina has a large community following. Monet, a large following. Fanita, a large following. Quinlan Blackwell. I don't know if you guys remember this, but a couple of years ago, she was roasted by the black community because she was so involved in the community. But what's funny is it's the people and the community that are getting them millions and millions of followers that are boosting their careers. Okay. Um, so it is kind of like great replacement follower theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yeah, I definitely see why that would not be received well. Yeah, so her, her thing is basically that black people don't support black creators. And this is in response to her video, like, in her eyes, flopping. It's a spawn video of you saying what's good about Macy's market. Like, that's exactly. just not a video that's going to, like, pop off in general. It's not like you were making funny content in the Macy's. Like, I think about people who, like, we know who are TikTokers that do spawn-type stuff. I don't know, I'm thinking about, like, Hannah Burner right now. And it's like, she'll do Spawn stuff, but she does still her man-on-the-street interviews yeah. still. Like, there's, there's, like, another element to why the Spawn would be interesting and the Spawn aspect of it is kind of hidden. That was fully, like, a straight-up ad. Yeah, so, again, Spawn-sponsored content. So, yeah, I think the thing is people don't like being sold to. That video was crazy. It's not true. There's a ton of black creators that are heavily supported by black people. Shade Room, all these things yeah. that have... Keith Lee has a huge black following. Well, yeah, we've talked about Keith Lee. I'm also just thinking about, like, you recently did that video for the Plantain Chips brand. Yeah. And you formed it as a comedy sketch. Yes. Because that is something interesting for other people to watch. If it had literally just been a video of you being like, I, I really like these, these chips, chips, I don't, it wouldn't have... It would have flopped. And, yeah. you know, sometimes, the thing is, sometimes branded content flops. Yes. And also, there's an argument to be said about, like, that's why there are people who make their goal just to be influencers. And you can't do that because then when you have partnership things, you have nothing else to show besides, I'm just shopping this. In-person shopping is actually really difficult for plus-size women. So she's like, hey, come watch me get four plus-size outfits totally. at Macy's. At totally. this market by Macy's. Or like, I have three friends. I'm going to get gifts for them at this is Macy's. Or come watch me make a holiday outfit from head to toe in Market by Macy's. Like, no creativity. It's just like, I love Market by Macy's. It's great. Goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Like, if it if, if the crux of her videos is showing her fashion for someone who's not, like, a size zero, whatever, then, yeah, the video should be like, I, I've got three holiday parties to go to yeah. this month. Watch me get three holiday party outfits and accessories and whatever here at Macy's. I'm going to get the whole outfit and then do that. But that video was literally just, wow, I love Market by Macy's. 
you can get clothes there. At you Market get, by Macy's. You, you can get Macy's. shoes. They have events at the Market by Macy's. For you to even get 2,000 likes on that is really fucking Impressive. good. Yeah. I, that's also my thing. I was like, 2,000 likes is pretty good. And also, the whole point of fucking sponsored content is it is like inorganic. That's why you get paid. They pay you to make these videos. And in also, your feed. Like, <laughs> as someone who posts online and has recently been lamenting to you about the Instagram algorithm privately, have I posted before and wanted to go live and be like, other comedians don't support me. They're jealous of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're mad at me. They don't well, like my game. That's but, what you text to someone. Yeah, you text it to your friend, or you, like, just kind of privately work Feel through that. the emotion. <laughs> you don't actually go live at, or, like, make no, a video. No, make a video. Well, yeah, it's not even, she wasn't even going And live. I don't know why she whispered white. I know, it's very funny to it's whisper like, white, white, but white. then be like, Black people don't support me. I know, I know. <laughs> That's the part that I would be whispering to a degree where maybe I wasn't even saying it and my lips weren't moving and it yeah. wasn't coming out of my mouth. <laughs> well, yeah, so obviously this caused backlash with a lot of black influencers, um, including Jackie Ina. Jackie Ina is a, black, a beauty influencer. And she named her, right? She named her. Yeah, Jackie that's Ina. another thing is like, don't put me in it. Don't name don't put me. me in it. Jackie Ina replied to her, but Jackie Ina is a influencer who focuses on black visibility in the beauty industry. Just like her doing makeup and whatever. And she has 1.9 million followers on Instagram, 3.5 million subscribers on YouTube. I'm sharing the numbers because this woman has said no one likes like black creators or black people. But it's like, if Jackie Ina has a mixed following, that's fine. But like for her thing to be focused on doing her own makeup and own things, and she has that following, it's got to be black people supporting her. And there definitely is wonky shit with the TikTok algorithm and how it'll promote a pretty white face over, like, a pretty black influencer who's doing the same thing. That's a separate conversation than what she's she's saying here. Because my video flopped, all black people do not support me. And it's just like, also somebody also said exactly what we said was just like, you're not giving us any razzle-dazzle, honey. You no. want us to support you? Like, what? You know, and that's the thing. Like, what is the value add of people watching this this video? Even if it's sponsored content, again, you should still have advice or this or that. You're not even going to do a try-on haul? That would have been fucking cool. Right. And she still got 2,000 likes. And she still got 2,000 likes. And it was a... What, but I, I feel like a lot of that was reactionary because then you go on the things. You go on the um page. And it's all like, here, damn. Like, <laughs> here's your damn fucking engagement. Like, damn. So, <laughs> Winnie Parker posts a video that's like, guys, Macy's just contacted me and they said because of all the negative comments, they will not work with me again. Like, I can't believe it. It's like, yeah. You did that, though. <laughs> like, you did you that. Mean? I can't believe it. You personally linked them to a very inflammatory statement that you started by saying this is just the thing i love in general where someone starts a video by going people aren't gonna like this and then when people don't like it they're like i can't believe people did not like this (laughs) oh my my god so (laughs) people really didn't like it (laughs) so she gives a flop apology and in the apology i'm going to summarize it because it was three minutes and 52 seconds Uh and we're not going to do that here in the apology, it says that she didn't mean to hurt black people, and she probably should have used different words, but that a racially mixed audience would have made her more successful, 
And again, she should have chosen better words to communicate that. And she still believes that black people can do a better job about supporting black creators. So my question is, why did she apologize? Because it seems like she doesn't really regret or care yeah, about it's anything. Like, I'm really sorry. I believe every single thing that I, I said, said in and the video. I'm gonna double down on it, um, but I don't want you guys to be mad about it. Yeah, but I am sorry that Macy's doesn't want to work with me anymore. I just wonder if the thing that prompted her to make the video in general is like maybe there were some metrics she needed to hit that she didn't on the video and she was feeling some type of way that's why you don't promise metrics that's why you don't promise metrics and number two your job is influencer you've made a not very interesting video yeah. that didn't it, it didn't include your niche content at all and it didn't hit what it was supposed to hit that's like for you to think about internally with your business it's not i don't really like, does she think white people would have been like, this video rocks. I fucking yeah. love Macy's Market. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to see it from her point of view is like, because she talks about her perspective as a black woman dating, her audience is, you know, black women. And because that didn't perform well, it's an indictment on her audience, not on her. When it's really like, Sometimes things flop and we have no idea. But in this specific case, there are many things you could have done differently to give a more engaging piece. So yeah, especially if you're someone who does have a following and generally your videos do a lot better. If one flops, then it's like, okay, clearly this video didn't resonate. It's not like my audience is withholding likes from me on my Macy's video because they don't want to lift me up. It's like, but your audience usually supports you and is liking all of these other videos. So it just, you made an uninteresting video. Yeah, so long story short, Winnie Parker, go, go touch, touch grass. grass. You know, log off. Walk around. The internet is not real. It's Macy's. They know how to deal with something not performing as well. Like, that happens all the time, unfortunately. That, that's why, like, the two models of social media is, like, test and learn. You test something, and then you learn from it. You test something, and then you learn from it. It's not Black Creator's fault no. that you fucking flopped. Charge it to the game. Now I hope you learned something. It doesn't seem like she did. She, 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 she did not reveal learning anything, but, yeah, it's, like, Winnie, next time you Text post a, a video, yeah, that doesn't do well, vent it to a friend, go on a little walk. Yeah. Yeah, go, go out there, grass. go touch grass, the grass, take a deep breath, but do not go on your TikTok page and tell your followers, followers that you're <laughs> mad at them and you think that it would be better if they were white. Right? <laughs> it's really bad. It's just like, oh, no, <laughs> don't say that. All right, well, that was another episode of Go Touch Grass. That was another episode. And, guys, the next time you hear a full episode of this podcast, it is going to be available on all of the podcasting yes, apps. and we'll, you'll still hear bonus content. Yes. You'll still hear search histories, mini-sodes. Like, we will have content for you on the Patreon. But if you have been loving the full episodes that you've been hearing on Patreon. Tell a friend. Tell a friend on December 13th to subscribe and listen to Go Touch Grass on HeadGum, yes. which will be available. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. What's the, There's one called Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast, yeah. People, I guess, use that. Stitcher's Dead. Whatever, Stitcher is But now. whichever one, whichever one you listen to, 
We're going to be there. We have so much fun exclusive content that's going to be living here on the Patreon. You're going to still get the newsletter every yeah. single week. Which is like uh, a dollar. A dollar. A dollar a month, which is 25 cents. A newsletter. A newsletter. That's crazy. I mean, it is crazy. So we're very, very excited. And we will see you in the free feed on December 13th. Until then, go go touch touch grass. grass.